Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen, amen, amen. Well, God is good, right? 30 years is a long time. And Pastor Daniel said earlier that that was hard since to do 30 years and 40. Well, I am 40. And uh, yeah, yeah, to do 30 years and 40, like you would have to start when you were 10. We did start when I was 10, and, um, and I, I remember those early, those early days, and I remember a whole lot of days, um, you know, where, where we were the only ones um, in church, and we had church, um, <clears throat> faithful to the call. Um, I remember, and, and I didn't really know what it meant at the time, but I remember... Um, my, my mom, uh, we homeschooled um, our first two years in Carlsbad, and so um, she would stay home and, and teach us, and, um, and dad would go to work, um, and then work a second job, and then work a third job, and whatever had to be done, delivered newspapers uh, for a little while. Um, funny story, I, I hate blueberry muffins in my life, and... Uh, one re the reason, not one reason, the reason why I hate blueberry muffins, you probably don't even remember this at all, but it scarred me forever. Um, I, I went and delivered papers um, with my dad one morning, and um, it was, a, I, I remember it being four in the morning. I don't know if that's really what time it was, um, but I remember it being four. And um, we stopped and, um, and got a blueberry muffin at the convenience store. I don't know which convenience store. Um, and I got sick, and I threw it up, and I cannot eat blueberry muffins to this day. My family loves them. They make them all the time. I've tried. I eat it, and still, 30 years later, that's all I can taste, and it's not pleasant in my life at all, um, and I wish that I could experience that, but I can't, and that's where we're at. So, um, but Pastor Daniel worked hard, and the the faithfulness so I, I didn't like I said I didn't know um, when when I was a kid that that it was any different but when you look at the the lifespan of a minister in today's society it's pretty short um, move around from church to church drop out of the ministry um, have issues have problems and that's not how we were brought up. We had a, a better example. Um, faithfulness. Not giving up when it was hard. Perseverance. Um, today, both my sister, um, who lives in, in Washington, and I are both involved in the ministry, and, 
and you hear so many preachers' kids that run from the ministry, that rebel because their home life was trash um, while, their, while their, um, their father usually just paid attention to the church, and it wasn't like that in our house. Um, church was a family thing, and we endeavored to do that with our, with our kids as well, and um, we, we were shielded from the hard things, and we got to experience the, the victories, and, um, and all of those things were such a positive, and I, I think back on that, and I think today we stand here on the foundation and on the faithfulness of the vision or the faithfulness to the call. And we're going to talk about that today. And what is, as we reintroduce love, we're going to talk about what is, what is the call? What is our, our job as a Christian? What are we supposed to be doing? And so we're going to open up with prayer today. And before I do, I want to dismiss the bridge. Um, these are our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, and they're going to go to class. Um, they stay in for worship and so you guys have an amazing time in class with Mary. Um, see ya. Mary waved. I didn't just, like, Mary waved at me. I wanted to wave back because that's, I'm a nice person. Um, Mary, I say this all the time because we serve on a lot of boards together in the community too, but um, Mary was the first person that was nice to me in Carlsbad schools. I homeschooled fifth and sixth grade, and then in seventh grade I went to Alta Vista and Mary was in my homeroom, and she was the first person that was nice to me. We've been friends since then, and now we get to serve God together. Isn't that awesome? Amen? All right. Um, so let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for your word. God, we thank you that it's spirit to us and that it's life to us. God, we thank you that you have implanted it in our hearts to change us. And so, God, I ask today that you will speak to us through your Holy Spirit, revealing truth to us, that the, the speaking and the preaching today would not be words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of your spirit and your power, that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys say amen. 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 When we say amen, then we're putting our stamp of approval on this. We agree with it. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Well, last week we talked out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and I want to read that today. I think we have it on the screen. We may, we may not. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, So then Christ himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers in the church world. And that may be too small to read, too. So, like, squint, if you guys squint. Um, then you can, I'm just kidding, giving you a hard time. Um, God gave these things, and, and we refer to these in the church world as the five-fold ministry gifts. These are the gifts that God has placed in the church for the reason of equipping the saints for the works of service, to equip his people, that's what this translation says, for the work of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. I said this last week, but it bears repeating that you will not reach maturity in Christ unless you sit under the ministry gifts that God has placed in the church. Some people would say, well, I don't need to attend church. 
in order to be a Christian. You're 100% right. You do not need to attend church in order to be a Christian. All you need to do is receive the gift that Jesus gave to you. That's all you have to do to attain heaven, to be a Christian. But to reach our full potential, to reach maturity in Christ. And I'm also here to tell you that we in, the, in these ministry gifts are not exempt from this scripture. And so just as you that, that would be like sitting, and I, I hate to say it that way because it makes it sound like I'm, I'm drawing um, like a, a gap and there's not a gap. Um, but for, for, for those that, that sit in the congregation, um, I'm not saying that you need to sit under these ministry gifts and, and we don't. We're not exempt from this either. But in order for us to reach maturity in the faith, in order for us to reach unity in the faith, we also have to sit under the ministries of these gifts so that we can reach maturity. And then he goes on, he says, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, and then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body is joined together and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each one does its part. See, there is no gap there is no separation between what I'm called to do and what you're called to do because we're all held together by what everyone's called to do. We honored people this morning and we're going to continue throughout this month people that have answered the call. People that have said, you know what, I, I'm part of something bigger. And every ligament and every joint is supplying something that is holding this body together so that we come to unity. And then it says, building itself up in love. See, we are called to go out and to speak the truth in love. But a lot of times we've used that phrase right there as an excuse to complain, as an excuse to gripe, as an excuse to point out what maybe we perceive other people are doing wrong. And we say, oh, well, I, can, I just can't help it. I'm just speaking the truth in love. No, you're not. You're just being rude. Stop. That's not what God has called us to do. Here, he says that we should speak the truth in love, and if we speak the truth in love, then we will grow up in every respect to a mature body, to unity in the body, to unity in the faith. If you're not promoting unity, you're not speaking the truth in love, because that's what the scripture says, speaking the truth in love. The whole body is supplying to hold the body together. In the church, especially lately, and I think I call this maybe the social media effect. In the church, 
We've become very fond of the saying, I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. Why is it that we have to place some kind of stipulation on our love? Why can't we just say, I love people? I love, period. I just, I, I love people. When did it become my job to put a label? See, I thought we wanted to get rid of labels. I thought, I thought we wanted to say, well, I don't want anybody to put me in a box, but we can put somebody else in a box. I, I don't think that's what we're called to do. I don't think we should be saying, I love the sinner, but, but, I, but I hate the sin. I think we should be saying, I love people. And I'm going to do my best to show people Jesus. And if I show people Jesus, then I believe that Christ is going to be birthed in you. And as Christ is birthed in you, then he begins to grow. And you begin to move in the fullness of what God has for you. And you know what? If that happens, then there are probably some things that you're going to have to change in your life. Because I know for me, there are things that I have to change in my life. For me, there are attitudes that are constantly needing adjusting. I know for me, there are behaviors that are needing to tweak and needing to change so that I can come into the fullness of what God is for me. And so my job is to show you Jesus. My job is to point you to him. It's not to stand here with a book of rules and go down and say you have to do this and you have to do this and you can't do this and don't you ever dare do this. But my job is just to show you Jesus and let's let Christ be birthed in you. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. What we say around here at Word of Life is that the message is not going to be about, what you and, about you and what you've done, but it's about Jesus and what he did. Amen? Praise God. But we're very fond of saying, oh, I, I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. I, I think we need to take off the labels. Pastor Daniel said it this way several years ago. He said that we've tried as Christians to scare the hell out of people. And we've tried as Christians to manipulate the hell out of people. And we've tried as Christians to place rules so that we could get hell out of people. But why don't we just start loving the hell out of people? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Galatians 2.16, it says this. Knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we that have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. So when he's talking about the works of the law, he's talking here about the Ten Commandments, the law that was inscribed on stone, that you have to fulfill this in order to attain God. And so we've got this list of rules, and, and you may think you do okay with them. Well, thou shalt not murder, I haven't ever killed anyone. And Jesus said, well, if you have hatred in your heart towards someone, then you've committed murder in your heart. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, I've done okay because I've never cheated on my wife. But Jesus said that if you look after a woman and you lust after her, or you look after a man and you lust after him, then you've committed adultery in your heart. See, this, the, these commandments, this law was not meant 
for us to keep (laughs) because we couldn't do it. It was impossible for us to keep the law. And so we tried and we tried and we tried and we failed and then we would have to sacrifice a, a, a lamb or sacrifice a goat and, and the, the blood would cover up and then we could go to God and we could do our business with God and then we would go out and we would mess up again and, and, and then we would have to go and make a sacrifice again. See, this was the, was the cycle of mankind, right? Until Jesus, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth came and he said, I'm going to pay the price for, for all of mankind and for all of their sins and my blood is going to wash away their sins once and for all what the law couldn't do Jesus did by his grace that is on our life amen praise God so a man is not justified by works of the law but by faith in Jesus what's our faith that word faith that simply means a belief what's our belief my belief is that Jesus paid it for me and that he was enough for me Jesus paid it for me. And so, yeah, I may have a struggle today, but I know that Jesus already overcame that struggle in my life. And I'm not the same person that I used to be, even though I still have things that I struggle with. I'm not the same person because I'm growing into that maturity. I'm growing into that position with him. It says, but if... This is verse 17 in Galatians 2. But if while we seek to be justified in Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, does that mean Christ is a minister of sin? I've always been puzzled by that verse. Not always. I was puzzled by it until I I studied it and asked God for revelation on it. But it says, while I'm seeking to be justified, while I'm following after grace, What if I fall back into the old way of thinking? What if I begin to have torment in my life? What if I begin to to forget what Jesus has done for me? Does that mean that, that following and seeking after Christ made me a sinner? So it's his fault? Certainly not. Verse 18 says, but if I build again the things that I destroyed, I made myself a transgressor. He's saying that so that you don't build those things again. See, if we want to talk about speaking the truth in love to the Christian, there are so many Christians that are living life outside of what Jesus did for them because they don't recognize his gift. Because they don't understand the grace that has been given to them. They're walking outside of the benefits because they've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten what Christ has done for them. They've forgotten that he has set them free. And so they're struggling and, and, and we're broken and we're hurting because we've forgotten that Jesus made a way for us. Paul said that for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. And I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes from the law, then Christ 
died in vain. See, I believe this, that too many Christians are living a life without a revelation of their salvation. We're living life without a revelation of what Christ has redeemed us from, of what he has brought us out of. And what we end up doing, have you ever heard, or maybe you've done it yourself, somebody and they're praying for healing and they're begging God to heal them. Maybe you have a financial need in your life and you're begging God to provide for you. God, I know that I've made mistakes. I know that I've done some dumb stuff with my money. Can anybody in here say that you've never done anything dumb with your money? Okay. Has it messed you up before? God, I, I, I promise. God, it just, just one more time. God, please, and I'll never ask again, right? I'll serve you. God, if you get me out of this mess, God, I'll serve you. God, I'll be at church every time. We're begging we're being entangled again in a yoke of bondage. We've been relegated to the role of a beggar when we're supposed to be a child. We're living outside of our salvation. But it's not because of Christ. It's because of our lack of understanding of what he has done for us. And we've been relegated to the role of a beggar. I want to talk about a beggar for a second. In Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 46. Jesus comes along and he sees a guy that's a beggar. And today, I'm coming at you hard because I don't want you to live under the condemnation of what you used to be. Because you've been redeemed. Because we have a purpose that's bigger than this. Because if the enemy can keep you begging then the enemy knows that he has silenced your purpose because you're begging. I'm not worthy. Don't we feel that way sometimes? I'm not worthy. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, he says, And they came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho, his disciple, with his disciples and a great number of people, there was a guy named Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, that sat by the highway side begging. First of all, I want to bring out a couple of things. Jericho was a city that we know of in the Old Testament. Those walls came down, right? Children of Israel walked around the walls each, once each day for, for six days, and then on the seventh day, they marched around seven times, and the walls came down. It was a mighty fortress, but Jericho was known for having big walls. That was it. They were known for, for having this huge structure that just kept people out. That wall was, it was huge. Kidding. A couple people laughed. The rest of you were like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Some of you were asleep. Some of you were like, seeing if you could get DoorDash for after church. I, I get you, all right? I feel you. They were known for just having this big fortress, this guy, I believe that it was no mistake that it was put in the Bible that he was sitting outside of Jericho because this guy had some walls that had built up in his life. 
Can anybody say, if you're being honest today, I've got some walls that are keeping me from my purpose? I don't want you to raise your hand on that. You can if you want. All right. (laughs) Some of you are like, straight up. I want those coming down. All right. So this guy, he was sitting outside. Number two, I want to point out in this very first verse that this guy had a label. And his label was blind. People knew him as blind Bartimaeus. It was a label that society had given him. He was labeled as blind. How many of us grew up and gained some labels? Maybe in your adult life, you gained some labels. Those labels are hard to shake. Those reputations. Maybe it was because of some mistakes we made. I don't know. Jesus doesn't call you by that label. Did you know that? So maybe you have a label in your life, but, but, but God doesn't refer to you by that label. He's, he's placed something else on you. He calls you my child. He calls you chosen. He calls you an overcomer. He calls you victorious, right? See, but this guy, he had a label And then his name, (laughs) we want to get all the way down to his name. When we see that that prefix B-A-R in the scripture, that just means son of, all right? So we can throw that one out. That's why it says Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, B-A-R, son of Timaeus. So the word Timaeus, his family lineage, are you ready for this one? The family lineage of this guy is impure and unclean. That's his family name. You can learn a lot from a family name. You want to talk about a generational curse that had been passed down. This guy's family name was, you are impure, you are unclean, you are outcast. He lives with that every day of his life, and then he was labeled as the blind dude that's just begging on the side of the road. So this guy heard. It's amazing what happens when you hear. He heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming. When he heard that Jesus was coming, he began to cry out to him and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David. Did you know that the word David means love in the Hebrew? Jesus, son of love, love me. I believe that even though I'm impure, even though I can't break out of these chains, even though I'm blind and I'm begging, I've heard that Jesus is coming And I heard that he's hope. And so I'm praying to you today that you'll love me. Please love me. What did Jesus do? Jesus stood still. And he commanded him to be called. And so they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort and rise. And he, casting away his garments, he rose up and he came to Jesus. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do? What will thou that I should do for you? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, Go thy way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I want to point out some things in this passage. First of all, this guy has been well established. He didn't deserve Jesus. And I think that every one of us can relate to this because if we look back and we think about the things in our life and the path that it's taken us, and we don't deserve Jesus. But Jesus stopped anyway. But when this guy, he was crying out to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What happened here? The crowds, everybody around, they're like, oh, that's just a blind dude. Dude, why don't you not bother Jesus? You're not worthy of Jesus. Why don't you, just, why don't you be quiet for a little bit, let the man pass, and then you can go on holding out your cup and getting your nickels in your cup. I believe this, that as we cry out to God, and maybe you decide that there needs to be a change in your life, you're going to experience many times where there are those that are like, oh, why don't you just calm down a little bit about all that Jesus stuff? Hey, why don't you just chill out just a little bit? Because the enemy doesn't care if you're out there begging for stuff. He just cares if you're crying out for salvation. He doesn't want you to be healed. He doesn't want you to experience freedom. You don't deserve Jesus. Why would he even stop? You're impure. Why would he even stop for you? But he cried out anyway. And what did Jesus do? You betcha he stopped. He stopped and he looks and he says, what do you want me to do? And the man said, oh, I got it right here. I, I don't want to be blind anymore. I want to see. I want to see. I don't want to be blind anymore. I want to see. Because any time that you lose your sight, you're at the mercy of someone else. Any time that you lose your vision, you're at the mercy of somebody else. Maybe I could put it this way. Any time that you stop looking at Jesus, any time that you take Jesus out of his rightful place in front of you, leading your way. How many times as Christians have we let stuff come up and take Jesus out of his position in our life and we become blind? Jesus was still there. But we took him out of his position in our life See, but for me, I've come to realize that I don't have to worry about all that other stuff if I remember his position in my life. I don't have to worry about my place because I remember his position. I don't have to worry about my stuff because I remember his position. I remember that he's going before me, that he's behind me, that he's beside me, that the way is prepared for me, that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, and that he has chosen me today for this purpose and for this calling. 
This guy started crying out, Jesus, 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 I, I, I want to I see. And so what did Jesus say to do? The first thing, first thing, is it says that the guy, he casts away his garment. See, in, in, in these times, in biblical times, if you were a beggar, the way that it was like your permit, they gave you a cloak that you would wear, and that gave you a license to beg. And so you wore this jacket, and that identified you to everyone that saw you, that you were a beggar. You were going to be asking them for something. And so you would stand on the side of the road, and you would have your little cup, and you would beg, and you wore your identifier that you were a beggar. The first thing that he did when he came to Jesus is he took off his jacket, and he said, I'm, I'm not going to be a beggar anymore. I'm getting rid of this label. I'm shedding the label. Christians, it's time that you shed the label of who you've always been called, and you recognize who Jesus has called you. We're walking around defeated, broken, hurting, bruised, and it's not who God made us to be. You're a child of the living God. Stop walking around like you're beaten, but recognize your salvation. Recognize what Christ has done for you and the freedom that you have in him. Recognize the love that he has for you. That crowd kept saying, no, 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 don't cry out for Jesus. You know what? I don't need the voices of everybody else. I don't need everybody's opinion. I definitely don't need social media to shape what I should do and what I shouldn't do. Man, we love opinions. The last thing he did is he threw down the cup. When he went to Jesus, he threw down the cup and he said, you know what, I don't, I don't need this anymore because I'm not a beggar anymore and I'm not gonna listen to the crowd anymore and I don't need to beg anymore. I don't need to beg because I recognize that I'm a son. I don't need to beg because I recognize that I'm a son. Church, you are chosen. Church, you don't need the cup anymore. You don't need the nickels anymore. You don't need, because you're a son, because you are welcome in the house of God. You are chosen. You are called. And then Jesus said, all right, you can have your sight. And this man could see. At that moment, he could see. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Immediately, he received his sight. And he followed Jesus. It says he followed Jesus. See, he didn't have to stand on the side of the road anymore. We've been relegated to the position of a beggar because we don't know our position in the kingdom. You don't know that you're loved. Church, you are loved. You are chosen. The world needs you to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's worth repeating. The world needs you. The world needs you. Why is it that in 30 years, this church of just over 100 people has taken 1,000 people on short-term mission trips? Why? Because the world needs us. The world needs us. 
We've ministered in 10 countries physically. In 100 countries via broadcast because God has opened up doors. We had church today in Pakistan. And we had church today in Carlsbad. And we had church today in Guatemala. And we had church today at nine different churches in the Philippines because the world needs us to keep our eyes on Jesus. If we had focused on something else, we would have been gone a long time ago. If we would have focused on what the crowd said, would you have stayed if you had focused on what everybody else said? Not at all. If we would have focused on what the crowd was saying, we'd still be a beggar. We'd still be a beggar. Charles Spurgeon, he was a preacher in the mid to late 1800s. He said this, and I believe we have it on the screen. He said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If, if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. If people are going to go to hell, then I want to be able to say that I did absolutely everything that I could do to keep them from it. Everything that I could do to keep them from it. I'm grabbing onto them. Paul said it this way. He said, I beg you, be reconciled to God. Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you so that you could be the righteousness of God. The world needs you to focus on Jesus, to stop begging, to understand your position. Guys, I'm speaking the truth today, and I'm speaking the truth in love today because when we speak the truth in love, we're promoting Jesus. When I speak the truth in love, I'm promoting unity. I'm promoting maturity in Christ. You're called to go beyond where you're at right now and to rise up and to take your place. As a child of God, the world needs you to focus on Jesus. I'm going to close with this today. There's a story that begins in Luke chapter 5. The story was a life changer for me. Luke chapter 5, and I'm just going to give you the highlights. <clears throat> Jesus is going to a place called the Lake of Gennesaret. And when he goes to this lake... He sees some people there, and there's multitudes there, and there's some fishermen there. And we have to remember that that word Gennesaret, or that place, it was given that name because it was extremely fertile soil, because you could just throw something out there, throw some seed, and it would grow. So fertile, so prosperous. And so there were some fishermen there and multitudes there. And Jesus went and he wanted to talk to the multitudes. And so he goes up to Peter and this is where he meets Peter. He goes up to Peter and he says, hey, hey, why don't you uh, take your boat out so that I can speak to these people? So Peter looks at him and he says, man, I, 
you know what, I, I fished all night. This is our livelihood. This is what we do for a living. We fished all night, but it was a bad day, man. We didn't catch anything. I've been super unsuccessful in my job today. If you want me to be honest, I'm kind of grumpy. I got some stuff going on. This is not a good day for me. Why don't you come and check it out tomorrow? I mean, that's what we could have said. You guys can go ahead and come up. But Peter didn't say that. Maybe that's what I would have said. But Peter didn't say that. Peter said, man, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything but, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do it. And so he pushes out, and Jesus teaches the multitudes, and the Bible doesn't talk about what he, what he taught on. But I know that he preached the gospel of the kingdom because that's what he did everywhere that he went. And then when they finished, Jesus looks at them and he says, man, you, you said that you fished all night and you haven't caught anything. Have you tried to throw it on the other side? Guys, I don't know about you, but it annoys me when somebody that doesn't do what I do for a living tries to tell me how to do my job. And I know people that many times are just trying to help. Well, have you tried this? Yeah, I did, like 30 times. This guy who they don't know at all comes up and says, hey, why don't you throw your net on the other side? Again, I think my response would be something like, hey, dude, um, like all respect, and that was a great message, and I really, really touched my heart, but you know what? I'm really tired, and, uh, and I heard he let you use my boat, and I fished all night. I think I'm just going to call it a day. It happens sometimes. We're going to give it a go tomorrow. That wasn't Peter's response. What did Peter do? He threw his net on the other side of the boat. When he threw his net on the other side of the boat, the Bible says that there were so many fish coming into the net that the net began to break. Now, this is the point that really changed my life is when I began to think about the fact that everybody around looked at Peter at that moment and was thinking this guy is having the best day of his life. Everything is wonderful. Fish are coming in. He's going to be able to go and sell these fish. He's going to get a bonus. He's probably going to get that grill that he's been wanting, that Blackstone, because he had a good day. I'm really happy for him. Maybe some people were jealous. How come he did that? I fished all night too. I didn't get anything. I would have thrown my net on the other side. I guarantee you that. At the moment that all those fish were coming in, the net began to break. And so Peter began to have a moment of anxiety in the middle of one of the biggest breakthroughs in his life. Guys, I've been there. Where everything looks to be going so well, Yet on the inside, you're crumbling. You don't know what to do. And his net began to break. But Peter did something really important. He reached out and he said, hey, I need some help. I need some help. 
I'm going to talk more about this at a later date. It's not my point today. But God, show me this passage to show me that I needed to get some help. And so it's almost a year um, that I reached out and I got some help. And I'm here to tell you, I didn't realize how bad I was. And I'm not 100, but I'm getting there. Peter reached out for help. You know what's awesome? Is that his friends were there to help him the whole time, but they never knew he needed it until he asked. They were like, bro, party at Peter's house tonight because he's having the best day ever. And I know if I know Peter, it stakes at Peter's house tonight. But he was freaking out. He's like, guys, I, I need a little help over here. So they came over and they helped him. And they pulled that net up. And the day was saved, right? Jesus said something important to him there. He said, now that you've understood that your obedience is rewarded, now that you understand that even though you're vulnerable, that there are people there to pick you up, I don't want you to go fishing anymore for fish. I want you fishing for men from now on. And it says they left their nets and they went and followed Jesus. Fast forward. Jesus died on the cross. Disciples walked with him for three and a half years. And then he, he, he died on the cross and, and he rose again. But at that moment, Peter looks and he says, all right, guys, I'm going fishing. This is John chapter 21, verse 3. He says, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we're going fishing too. See, they forgot who Jesus had called them to be, and they went back to the people that they used to be. They went back to fishing. And Jesus said, from now on, but they lost their sight. They lost sight of Jesus. And they went back to fishing. And so if we look in this passage in John chapter 21, this scenario sounds really familiar because they went fishing and they fished all night and they didn't catch anything. Sound familiar? And then Jesus walks up and he says, hey, you guys have any fish? <laughs> and they're like, no. He said, throw your net on the other side. I think we've been through this before. So they throw their net on the other side. They catch a bunch of fish. Peter didn't have the anxiety this time. He goes, I think that's the Lord. <laughs> so Peter jumps out of the boat and, and he swims to the shore. And I've never really understood that. First of all, the Bible says that Peter put on his garment. So apparently he did not have his garment on in the boat. I'm just, just saying this is what the scripture says. He didn't have his his garment's on in the boat, so he gets dressed, and then he jumps in the river. I, I don't know. And then it says that he swam to shore, and then the boat came to the shore because they weren't very far away. Why didn't the dude just stay in the boat? I don't know. 
He was excited to see Jesus. So he runs up to Jesus once he gets out of the water. And it's interesting because Jesus is already sitting on the shore. They fished all night. They didn't catch anything, right? Jesus is sitting on the shore. He has a fire built. And he has fish. They're frying. So Jesus caught some fish. And then he was like, throw your net on the other side. That's where I found them. They throw their net on the other side. They catch fish. They get there. Jesus is already cooking fish. He says, come and eat breakfast. So after they had eaten, Jesus says to Simon Peter, he says, do you love me more than these? And he said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, then feed my lambs. He asked him again, Simon Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then tend to my sheep. He said a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. And he said to him a third time, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Because I want you to recognize your salvation. Because I said from now on, you're not going to be the way that you used to be. Because I said from now on, you are chosen by me. Because I said from now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. Because from now on, you're chosen and your purpose and you are the righteousness of God in me. I don't want you to be a beggar like you used to be. I want you to recognize because the world needs you you to understand who you've been called to be. I need you to understand who you've been called to be. Peter says this in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 8. He says, and above all things have fervent love for one another for a love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another. I love this part, and I hate this part at the same time, without grumbling. <laughs> Be hospitable to one another without griping about it. As each one of you has received a gift, each one of you, so minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold of the grace of God. And if anyone speaks... Church, this is your takeaway from this message today. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability that God supplies. You don't have to supply it. God supplies it. That in all things, God will be glorified through Christ. To him be the glory. See, Peter had come full circle from that day on the shore. Peter says, go out and love because the world needs you to love. We need to see your love. See, Jesus wanted his disciples to say that day. Maybe they went fishing because they needed money. But he wanted them to say, I love you more than I need money. And Jesus says, well, I'm your supply, so don't worry about it. 
He says, I, these are the excuses that we come up with and I love you more than I need comfort, Jesus. And Jesus says, well, I'm your peace. And maybe he wants us to say, I love you more than I need rest. So Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. He wants you to say, I love you more than I need to just figure things out. See, sometimes we get our eyes focused on something else because we just need to figure some things out. But Jesus says, I have plans to prosper you. I love you more, Jesus, than I need to get rid of stress. <laughs> I'm just so stressed out, but Jesus, I love you more. I'm not going to let it take my eyes off of you. I'm not going to become a beggar because I, I love you more and I know you love me. And he says, well, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I took care of you. I'm going to always take care of you. We've got to focus on Jesus and not become a beggar. If you're here today, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I want you to do that today. Because today's the day of salvation. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. And so I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. And if you're watching online, and we've got our friends that are online right here. And so maybe you're watching online, and I want to tell you today that there's no distance in prayer today. And so, yes, we're sitting together in a, in a building today, but we're together in spirit today. And so if you're online or if you're sitting in here, and you've never received Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask everybody to say it as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. And so let's say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you, and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website, and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.